This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. America shot down a Chinese balloon over the Atlantic in what the Pentagon said was American airspace. Beijing responded with a sharp statement accusing the Biden administration of, quote, seriously violating international conventions. Earlier, Antony Blinken, America's Secretary of State, postponed a planned trip to China after the Pentagon detected the suspected spy balloon flying over sensitive military sites. China said that political trust with Russia had deepened following a meeting between the two countries' foreign ministers last week. The announcement came exactly one year after President Xi Jinping's declaration that the two countries enjoy a quote, friendship without limits. China has largely shown indifference to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. India's market regulator sought to calm nervous investors, saying the country's stock market remains stable despite, quote, unusual price movement in the stocks of a business conglomerate. This appeared to be a reference to the collapse in the share price of the Adani Group, a business empire that underpins much of India's economy. The group has lost around $100 billion in market value since Hindenburg Research, a short seller, called the business empire a giant con. Tens of thousands of Israelis protested the government's planned judicial reforms for the fifth consecutive weekend. The proposals of the right-wing government, led by Benjamin Netanyahu, would curb the Supreme Court's independence and limit its power over the executive. Critics of the reforms include Mr Netanyahu's political opponents, as well as some of the country's economists and business leaders. The Democratic Party's National Committee voted to reshuffle the order of its presidential primaries. The new calendar prioritises more diverse states, ones that also support Joe Biden in the 2020 election. South Carolina will now go first, and New Hampshire and Nevada will follow. The reordering comes as a blow to Iowa, which lost its opening vote. Japan will restrict exports of the machines that make advanced semiconductors to China from this spring, according to Kyodo News. America has been cajoling allied countries to introduce controls on chip exports to China, amid concerns that access to advanced semiconductor technology will give China a military edge. So far, only the Netherlands had agreed to do so. Researchers exploring a cave system in Spain discovered evidence that cave bears, a prehistoric species that went extinct around 24,000 years ago, may have lived further south than previously thought. The researchers found that the walls of the vast cave which had been sealed off for thousands of years, had been clawed at by the creatures. Martin Lerma, the scientific director of the excavation, said the find, quote, opens a new door on prehistory. Correction, in Friday's edition, we misspelt the name of Polish director Jerzy Skalomowski as Skalomowski. Sorry. And word of the week, teledildonics the term in pornography for virtual sex encounters using remotely controlled toys.
And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Endless Paralysis in Lebanon After the crime comes the cover-up. The investigation of the massive explosion at Beirut's port in 2020, which killed 218 people, was stalled for more than a year by legal challenges. Tarek Bittar, the judge overseeing it, had hoped to resume interrogating officials on Monday. Instead, he has been charged with judicial misconduct by Lebanon's top prosecutor, one of the officials whom Mr. Bittar had sought to question. The judicial feud is yet another sign of Lebanon's dysfunction. It has not had a president since October, and Parliament has failed 11 times to elect a new one. Last year, the caretaker cabinet went six months without meeting. More than three years into a financial crisis, Lebanon's currency has lost 97% of its value. Annual inflation was 171% in 2022. Bailout talks with the IMF are stalled. Lebanon's corrupt ruling class cannot agree on anything, it seems, except their collective taste for impunity. What's at stake in Cyprus? Greek Cypriots hold a presidential election on Sunday. The frontrunner is Niko Christodoulidis, who resigned last month as foreign minister because rivals in the ruling party were angry about his presidential ambitions. Mr. Christodoulidis, now an independent backed by left-of-center parties, is unlikely to get more than 50% of the vote, as there are 13 other candidates. But he should win a runoff on February 12th. Turkish Cypriots living in the north of the divided island will not participate. One of Mr. Kristolidis' main challenges will be to manage the complex energy politics of the eastern Mediterranean. Several international companies plan to start exploiting natural gas from the Cypriot seabed. Israel and Egypt are already exploring their own such deposits, while Turkey has failed to make any fines so far. Cyprus could sell gas to Egypt, some of which could be re-exported to Turkey. A costly pipeline project to carry gas between Crete, Greece, and Italy is also being discussed. Mr. Christodelitis' priority will be to ensure that Cyprus' long-awaited gas bonanza actually happens. The Grammys might get it right at last. On Sunday, American music's great and good slap each other's backs and dole out their annual awards. The sheer number of categories, at 91, speaks to the self-importance of the Recording Academy, which puts on the Grammys. That clubby self-regard has mired the awards show in controversy, prompting accusations of racism for snubs of black singers and criticism for opaque voting procedures. This year, at least, the nominations reflect pop culture. Black artists are present in all the major categories and among the favorites. Exciting young bands such as Idols, Turnstile, and Wet Leg have nominations. And there is a chance for both Taylor Swift and Beyonce to win the major awards that have, surprisingly, been denied them so far. Song of the Year for Miss Swift and Album of the Year for Beyonce. Still, all award ceremonies end in one certainty. 
that come the morning after, someone, somewhere, will be up in arms about the injustice of it all. Brain Activity Patterns Cluster with Ideology Everyone knows the frustration of arguing with a stubborn opponent. New research suggests that those on opposite sides of the political spectrum do not merely fail to see eye to eye. Their brains behave differently in ways that are stark enough to be detectable with fairly crude instruments. Two groups of researchers scanned the brains of left and right wingers as they were shown words and news clips. Using changes in blood flow as a proxy for neural activity, both found that the subject's brains respond in similar ways to neutral material, but diverged when presented with content about divisive topics like immigration. Measuring blood flow using magnetic resonance imaging, Dante de Bruin and Oriel Feldman Hall of Brown University in Rhode Island recorded different patterns of activity in parts of the brain that handle emotions and cognition. Noah Katabi and Yara Yeshurin of Tel Aviv University saw differences in the areas that deal with hearing, vision, and movement. Big differences of opinion show up as big differences in brain activity. Weekend Profile Max Martin, Pop Hitmaker Britney Spears brought the sex appeal, plaintive vocals, and teen longing. Max Martin supplied the rest. In 1998, their track, Baby One More Time, ruled the radio. Any allusions to domestic violence or sadomasochistic sex in the chorus, Hit Me Baby One More Time, were supposedly unintentional. Mr. Martin, the song's Swedish writer and producer, says he understood hit me to mean call me. The Earworm was the first of Mr. Martin's 25 number one singles on the Billboard Hot 100, a chart of America's most popular songs. Only Paul McCartney and John Lennon rank higher as songwriters. His collaborators include pop heavyweights from Celine Dion to Taylor Swift. On Sunday at the Grammy Awards, the 51-year-old has three separate nominations for Album of the Year for his production work on Adele's 30, Lizzo's Special, and Coldplay's Music of the Spheres. Unlike the Beatles frontman, Mr. Martin has shunned the mic since his early days as a heavy metal rocker in Sweden. Then he was known as Carl Martin Sandberg. But Dennis Pop, the producer who steered his turn towards songwriting, insisted that he rechristen himself. Martin Sandberg wasn't exactly a disco name, so you couldn't really talk to him, Mr. Pop later recalled. Mr. Martin is a proponent of a technique he calls melodic math, a principle that every element should serve the recording and its melody. Words are chosen for their sound as much as their meaning. Take Baby One More Time, the percussive bees of Baby, make it a more common endearment in pop songs than, say, Darling. In 2019, in a rare interview with The Guardian, he explained the importance of phonetics and how melodic math came about as a result of not speaking English as a child. He would listen to ABBA, Elton John, and The Beatles without registering what the songs were about. I felt something hearing this music, and it meant something to me, he said.
If you can have a great lyric that also phonetically sounds amazing, then you're golden. But it's also kind of cool if you're writing a song and people are emotionally moved without understanding what's being said. All these years on, Mr. Martin's knack for meaningful nonsense shows no sign of diminishing. The winners of this week's quiz. Thank you to everyone who took part in this week's quiz. The winners, chosen at random, were John McMorris, Davis, California, America. Gina Sanchez, Panama City, Panama. Wendy King, Sydney, Australia. They all gave the correct answers of Gimlet, Manhattan Project, Cosmopolitan, Sidecar, and Zombies. The theme is cocktails. And visit the Espresso app for our new weekend crossword, designed for experienced cruciverbalists and newcomers alike. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Dan Quayle. I believe we are on an irreversible trend towards more freedom and democracy, but that could change. That's The World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.